Well, good morning, everybody. I, too, want to reiterate what Wayne said. I'm glad you're here today. Uh, welcome. I, this is why I want to really be thankful. Thankful that on a three-day holiday weekend that you still make worship a priority. Amen? And I'm glad you're here to celebrate. What a great way to start another holiday day this, today. So welcome, everybody. Uh, to those, I want to welcome those who are online uh, with us. And we're glad you're hanging out with us today, too. We have soldiers who are deployed in Europe that watch us online. We have people around the world and around the nation that are joining us. We're just glad you're with us, too. Uh, but for, let me just take a minute with our guests today. And I think this is really important. The rest of the group says, yeah, take care of our guests. So our guests, we're glad you're here. My name is Brian. I'm our lead pastor. And uh, you got this really, I call it super cool. I say it too much. Super cool worship guide when you walk through the door. On the back is, I'm going to go into God's word here a little bit. We're going to talk today about life and speaking life. And there's an outline here that you can fill in and just kind of has the structure of what we're sharing today. So you can go back and share those notes, but feel free to join us in filling that out. I'll refer to it a few times here. So for those who are online, these worship notes and everything are connected on there, and we just love it, on, especially for those of you on Facebook Live, just like chatter in there with us and join with us so we know you're there. But before, know, before I talk about anything else, I would like to talk about tomorrow. I'd like to talk about Monday, and this is your first sermon note here on your worship guide. Tomorrow, we remember those who have died. Tomorrow is a federal holiday. It's called Memorial Day. It is a day where we honor the men and women who died while serving in the U.S. military. Memorial Day is a tradition that goes far, as far back as the Civil War. It initiated from the Civil War and the war dead from that battle. And this time every year, tomorrow especially, we remember. It's a day of remembrance. And the first thing we remember, if I can encourage you, is we remember with gratitude. We remember with gratitude. We're so thankful for all the freedoms that surround us here. We are blessed, very blessed, but those freedoms came at a high price, an ultimate price. So we remember every year with gratitude, but we remember, why do we remember Memorial Day every year? Why is it an every year thing? And I think it's to ensure this. The time will not dim the glory of their deeds. So I remember every year, the time will not dim the glory of their sacrifice. I want to share with you the very first Memorial Day speech at Arlington National Cemetery. It wasn't known as Memorial Day then, it was known as Decoration Day. The year is 1868. The person speaking is an Ohio congressman who stands up and has this opportunity to speak at the very first Decoration Day. His name is James Garfield. You would know him 13 years later as our 20th president. James Garfield noted how solemn this event is, this first speech at Arlington National Cemetery. And he said this. He said, I'm heavy with a sense of how improper it is to utter words on this occasion. If silence is ever golden, it must be here, beside the graves of 15,000 men whose lives were more significant than speech and whose death was a poem, the music of which can never be sung. 
Let me repeat that. If silence is ever golden, it must be here be right beside the graves of 15,000 men whose lives were more significant than anything I can say and whose death was a poem, the music of which we could never sing. I'm going to ask you to take advantage of this time together, even though today isn't Memorial Day. But as one body, would you stand with me? And I would like to take this moment that we remember, not with words, but our silence and our prayer and our gratitude. you may be seated thank you for sharing that moment if I could encourage you tomorrow is the official holiday tomorrow at 3 p.m. you all have smartphones almost every one of you now set an alarm on your phone for 3 p.m. for at 3 p.m. is a national moment of remembrance and I encourage all of us to stop tomorrow at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and again with gratitude remember those who've given everything I'd ask that you open your Bibles with me to Romans, the book of Romans, chapter 5. Romans, chapter 5. It's in the New Testament, just past the Gospels, just past the book of Acts. We're going to hang out just in this scripture verse uh, that goes from the end of chapter 5 into, into chapter 6. And as you're turning there, let me share with you, starting a sermon and talking about death is quite a challenge. I think one of the hardest things, but one of the most beautiful things are funerals. How do you start? and talking in death. It's hard to talk about death and start death when our minds are on death, when there's a tragic event that happens in a grade school in Texas, a week behind a tragic event that happens in Buffalo, New York, in a supermarket, and we see death surround us, senseless death surround us. It's been heavy on most of us all week. Death is a topic of extreme weight. It's a deep dive that's hard to bring people out of. Death sullens a room and it evaporates hope. But ladies and gentlemen, it shouldn't for us. For the next 25 to 30 minutes, I'm going to use the word die and death and variants of it a lot. Because for Christians in death, we see life. We see life. It's a whole nother worldview. As Christians, our view of death should be much different, so I'm going to start picking you up. Death is a goal. I know it's going to sound weird. It is a defining moment 
It is a full release to victory and joy. Several strong Christians and leaders over the years have encouraged us about death, about having a right mindset of death. Here's one, a quote, death to the Christian is the funeral of all his sorrows and evils and the resurrection of all his joys. James I. Here's another. Never fear dying, beloved. Dying is the last, but the least matter that a Christian has to be anxious about. Fear living. That is a hard battle to fight, a stern discipline to endure, a rough voyage to undergo. That was Charles Spurgeon. Here's one of my favorites. Jesus never preached any funeral sermons. Dwight Moody said that. Think about that. Jesus never preached any funeral sermons. And here's another. Even when I walk through the darkest valley of death, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. David said that in Psalm 23. Let me share one more with you. The only difference in death between a Christian and the one who is not is that the Christian is ready to meet Jesus. A Christian is dead already. Dead to the world, but alive to Christ. Winky Bradney. Death should be different from us and for us because, ladies and gentlemen, we've already died. And I'm going to talk about that. So here's our next note. Here's our next note. Sermon number two. Today, today tomorrow we remember those who died and our military servicemen and women. But today we remember those who've already died. Today is a special memorial day for us. I'm not trying to downplay tomorrow at all. But having a kingdom perspective is really important for us. A Christian is dead already. We knew death the day that we believed in Jesus. So that's what we're going to talk about here in Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 20. So if you move your finger there in Romans 5, we're going to start in verse 20. So what does this mean we already died? Starting verse 20, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and it brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well then, should we keep on sinning that, that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. There's an exclamation point there. He's hitting us. Of course not. Since we've already died to sin, there's death. Since we've already died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? So yeah, go back to verse 20. This starts off and it might spin your wheels a little bit. So God's law was given so all people could see how sinful they were. That doesn't make us feel too good. But when I looked at this and thought, well, what was it really saying? God's law was given. So when we think of God's law, the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were given so we could see how sinful we were. It's like, that sounds mean, but no. When I think of the Ten Commandments, right away my chin goes down because I broke all ten of them. It did show me how sinful I am. 
Like when Jesus said, you know what? When you look at somebody lustfully, you already committed adultery. It's like, oh. So Jesus said, when you're angry with somebody, you already murdered them in your heart. And I go through all those and I was like, I broke all 10. And the law does show how deep I can go and how far off the rails I can get and how sin can reign in my life. But he says, hey, here's an important point. God's grace is always more. When he says it's abundant, it, means, it doesn't mean that God's grace over all the sin in my life isn't a little bit more. It's way more. There is no amount of sin that God's grace and abundance can't overwhelm. And that beautiful line that says, it used to be that sin ruled over people, but now God's wonderful grace rules instead. How's that true? Because it was shown in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. God's wonderful grace was so big that he sent his son who died for every sin. And he overwhelmed us with abundant grace. And Jesus took away the power of every sin that's ever happened, that's going to happen today, and will ever happen in the future. You cannot see more abundant grace than that. Our sin is so great, it's our ruin, but God's grace through Jesus outdistances it all the time. <laughs> in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, where does all this grace come from? His life, his death, his resurrection, which gives us two things. It makes us stand right before God, and it promises us eternal life. It's right there. So then he asks this question, when you're so overwhelmed by God's grace, well then, should we just keep on sinning? <laughs> should we just go out and sin more so we get more of God's grace? No, no, because there it is, guys. Here's where we died since you died to that. The day you believed, you died to that. Christian, you already died. So don't live there anymore. So let's make today, again, I'm not, I'm not downplaying tomorrow at all, but let's make today a normal calendar day, May 29th, a day of remembrance for Christians who've already died. Today's our memorial day. Whenever we speak of death in our faith, there's a paradox. There's a paradox. It's your next note. We speak life in death. We speak life and death. This sermon series we're on, we're on the fourth week of this sermon series. We talked about how our lives in faith with Christ speak life all the time. Week one, we talked about we speak life in our words. And we, we talked about the proverb that says, our words have the power of life or death. And they do. Our words have the power of life or death. That was week one. Week two, we said we speak life in our action. That words aren't enough. We went to the whole book of James where James says over and over and over, if you believe it, don't just use words. Get into action. Your faith is proven in how you move. And so we took those two. We said our words are important and our action is important and those two make up what? Do you remember? Your character. Words plus action show our character and our character speaks life to people. And then last week, Razvan, Alyssa, uh, Sabu, our, our missionaries who are now redeploying, that we're sending to Romania. Our church, again, will have its footprint in Romania where the Ukraine crisis is pouring into. And we're sending people from our, from our body there. 
And they said, let us share with you how we're going to speak life together with the good news. They are going there in a country riled up, pouring in with refugees from Ukraine, and they're going there to speak life with the good news. And because they're there and we sent them, we're there speaking life in the good news of Jesus Christ. Speak life in our words, our actions, the good news, and that gets us to today. Speak life in death. Our death to sin and our new life in Christ speaks life. It speaks life to ourselves. And ladies and gentlemen, it speaks life to everybody around us. People look at you and say, how do you have the peace, the hope, and the joy in your life? Let me speak life about that. Because it's nothing about me. So I want to make sure we understand this. For all of us who died to that sin and rose up in new life, Everyone in this room speaks life in our death. The greatest example, do you know what the greatest example of speaking life and death is? There's a big wooden hint right in front of me. Big wooden hint. The best example of speaking life and death is baptism. It is completely symbolic of speaking life in death, and that's what I want to talk about. Baptism is what we're going to kind of focus on here today. Here's some important points about baptism. When we, the normal progression is when we choose to follow Jesus, we encourage baptism right away because of how special it is and what it indicates. And so baptism is normally what we would say is a doorway that we walk through. And one thing we really try to stress here is baptism is, well, I know enough about Jesus, I want to follow him, so I walk through this doorway and that doorway says you never are going to be good enough or you ever have to get cleaned up enough. This doorway is open to everybody. Just pursue him. That's why you have the body of Christ to walk with you and shape and understand and, and see God's word. But baptism is a doorway. It's a starting point. Baptism is a symbol, it symbolizes, it symbolizes a change in us. It's an outward sign of an inward change in my heart. I'm getting in that water because of what's going on in here. And baptism is commanded by Jesus. For all who follow him, he says, let's get in the water. As a matter of fact, he says it's so important, he goes, I'm going to go first. <laughs> and he goes up to John the Baptist and says, let's baptize me. And John the Baptist says, I can't even tie your shoes, dude. It's like, how am I to baptize you? And Jesus said, this is important. He was even without sin. But Jesus says, let me set the example. And he goes in first. So let's jump into that. So, this, so this, this baptism, what I want to really stress is it's a beautiful symbolism. I love sharing this. It's a beautiful symbolism of dying and rising up in new life. And I will tell you my personal life, I grew up in a non-practicing Catholic home. I'm not digging on anything. I made all my choices. Had some exposure to faith in high school. Um, went to Catholic church for a while, was confirmed. Went to college, grew my hair long, had a great time. And left it all behind. Fell in love with a Baptist girl. This is my testimony. Fell in love with a Baptist girl who completely messed me up. <laughs> and I remember baptism kept coming up. Well, Brian, I was, I was baptized as an infant. My parents baptized me as an infant. There was nothing wrong with that. 
But it's like, one day I was on a golf trip with Pastor Eric here. This is 20, oh my gosh, we're getting older. 20 some years ago, and, we're, and Eric asked me about baptism. I said, Eric, it's just a rule. I've been baptized as an infant. I was confirmed. I was like, I don't know if I, and he knew my life was going through change. We never knew when we are talking 22 years ago I'd be here on this stage with you. And Eric says, I don't think you've ever seen how beautiful this is. It's not rules. It's not legalism. And he shared with me exactly what we're talking about in Romans 6. It's beautiful because you go in that water and you die to yourself and you rise up new. And when Eric got done telling me about the beauty, the symbolic beauty of baptism, I couldn't shake it. It wouldn't leave me alone. This is my story. It can't, it's not necessarily yours. And one day I'm in Africa with the medical team. We're out in the middle of absolute nowhere and there's water right there and Pastor Pat's there right with me. He says, you ready to get in? I said, I'm ready to get in. And we started walking down to the water there near a little village called Chambaboma in Zambia. And we get down to the edge of the water and I didn't get in. You know why? Because I remembered my wife is six, 7,000 miles away and she'd kill me if I got baptized without her. So I waited. That was hard. I was so ready to get in. So at 33 years of age, I came back here and I'm baptized out at Lake Elbow. And it was the day I drove a stake in the ground and said, I'm, not, I'm his. And it's clear and I left my old self in the water. And I rose new. I died. I died. And I had no clue I'd be up here with you. Let's jump into Romans. That's how beautiful the symbolism of it is. I just want to show you the beauty of baptism instead of the legalism or rules or things like that. But let's go. Let's take a look at this actually in Scripture. Romans 6, verse 3. Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also rise and may live new lives. So what this tells us is a couple things. Go back to your sermon notes. Baptism, what is baptism? This next part, baptism is joining Jesus. This is important. It's joining him in two things. First, it's joining Jesus and dying to our past life. Christians, this is where we die. Our first memorial day. Baptism is joining Jesus and dying to our past life. This is important. When Jesus died on the cross for our sins, he died our death. I want that to soak in. When Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for all the sin of the world, he died our death. Baptism is symbolic of our union with Jesus. We are united to him spiritually so that the death he died becomes our death. When we go in the water, we're cleansed by his life, his death, his resurrection. We symbolically join him in his death. We are buried with him in death. For those of us in this room who have been baptized, we already died. And in that water, we die to our old self and we leave it there in the water. You know, we can't see it. The water always looks clear when we come up, but it's so full of stuff <laughs> that Steve hooks a hose to it and cranks it and pumps it outside. In the water, we die to our old self. We leave it there. And ladies and gentlemen, at that moment, we're no longer the same. 
And one more thing. Our future physical death that we'll all go through unless Jesus comes back, it won't be the same either. Because Jesus died our death for us, our death won't be the horrible end it should have been for us. Our death won't be a period, I say. It'll be a comma as we go to something new. So baptism is joining Jesus in dying to our past life. The second thing is baptism is joining Jesus in rising to new life. So we go into the water, we die to our past life, we rise to new life. When we come up out of the water, we're sharing with him in his resurrection. It's symbolic that we share with him the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is rising us not later in new life, right then in new life, you're raised to new life. As Jesus rose to new life, so in baptism do we. We have that new life now. We do not have to wait. We come up out of that water, we're changed. We're a new person. And we have a new identity. It's him. And I leave my old identity behind. And, and one scripture verse says, we rise up clothed new. I look like him. I can't imagine a better thing to look like. And looking at you all in this room, we all look like Jesus, a part of it. We all look like him. So yeah, we join him in dying to our past life, rising to new life. There's two other things, though, that are important that we understand that happen in baptism. And let's jump back into Romans 6, starting in verse 5. Since we have been united with Jesus in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves, look at that word, we're crucified. It's a powerful word. We're crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. And we're sure of this because, let me go back there, verse 9 again. We are sure of this. One more time. We're sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. So what did that tell us? Two more things. It's your fifth sermon note. Death and sin have no power. Death has no power of your life. We will physically die unless Jesus comes back, but it has no power of keeping us there. And in baptism, sin has no more power over our lives. We're no longer slaves. Jesus' death broke on that cross, broke that power of sin, which is death. And in baptism, we join Jesus in death to our old self, and we rise up in new life. And when we do that, when we go in the water and our old self's left behind and we rise up and new life, we're set free. We're set free from the power of sin. We're set free from the curse of death. That's why we see death so differently. But here's an important point I want to make as we wrap up. Uh, it's your last sermon. I think it's your last one. Yeah. Baptism is a declaration of dependence. So we know when I go in the water and I rise up 
and I'm set free. A lot of times here in our American mindset, when I'm set free, it means I'm set free to be independent. But for Christians, it's actually the diff it's quite different. When I rise up, when I'm set free, I'm actually, a, it's a declaration of dependence. We are set free to be dependent, dependent on the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and dependent on this body of Christ that surrounds you that has all these gifts that will help us all raise and grow. We're dependent on each other in a culture that really preaches independence. We don't wanna do that here. When we dunk in the water, we baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit because we recognize that now you are dependent on the triune God. But also when you are baptized, you are actually baptized into the covenant of community. You are now part of the family. And we're dependent on each other. Do not do this life alone. In baptism, we move from me to we. And that is so countercultural. We are set free to love God through Jesus with all we got. We're set free to love our neighbors and we're set free to love, serve, and enjoy this community of faith. And we are set free to go tell everybody about it and bring them into this community of faith. It is no longer me, it's we. This is clarified as we finish in, in Romans 6, verse 10. But now that he lives, it's talking about Jesus, he, Jesus lives for the glory of God. See the dependence? So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin, alive to God through Christ Jesus. You're dependent on him. Because Jesus lives to the glory of God, we now live to the glory of God. We're dependent on him, and everything we do glorifies him, makes him famous. Galatians 2, let me jump out of Romans just for a brief minute. Galatians 2, verse 20 this one's a pretty good one to finish on. My old self, again, has been crucified with Christ. It has been nailed to the cross, my old self. It is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Look at that dependence. It's no longer me, it's we. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hmm. One more time, baptism, it is no longer I, it is we. Welcome to the family of God. If this is on your heart and you're wrestling with what baptism is all about still or whether this is something you should do, a lot of people are in that stage. Um, we don't come at you with legalism or all these things, but we will walk with you and say, hey, let's look at scripture together and let's look at what God's saying to your heart. And is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? And we'll wrestle with you with that. We don't, we don't force you to do anything. The Holy Spirit will tell you and then you'll come that day where I can't, you can't keep me out of the water. If that's happening in your life right now, like, Brian, I'm close, but I'd just like to know a little bit more, take that Connect card on your worship guide and write, hey, I'm interested in baptism. Give us a phone number or an email address, and we'll walk with you. We, we love walking. I had five visits this week with people just walking through this. Is this God's call in my life? Yeah, and I can just see the Holy Spirit's all over them, and they're growing, and they're heading in that direction, and you'll see them here someday soon. But in the meantime, Let's do an offering. Let's give God our best today. That's what we do, worship and offering. So offering is our, our time that we give to him. It's our decisions. Like what is that sin I need to die to today that's ruling my life? If you're struggling with that, you write that on the connect. No, don't write the sin, but you can. 
but write your name and stuff on the connect card and say, I'm trying to die to something. Would you help me? We will walk with you and help you die to that. And if I really need a Memorial Day, let us know. And we're there with you. There's also one other thing I want to encourage you as we go through June 16th. If you, you all got an email on this, pledge card and things like that, the ways that we are uh, using this tool of our building, if you want to be part of that, we really encourage you to turn that in and your gift. Um, and if you have more questions about that, ask us about that. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's, do, let's go after this. Something or someone needs to die today. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this weekend. Father, I, I hold up again our military, those who are deployed, um, and all the families who, who have been impacted by the loss of a life and a service in our military. Father, we hold those families up today. Father, we hold our other military who are deployed today. Will you, will you keep our eyes and our ears and our hearts towards them too? But Father, our offering today that, that nobody leaves here without the best offering they can give you because you gave us the best offering in Jesus. Your abundant grace is right before us. So, Father, let our tithes, our offerings, our time, our decision, what needs to die or do we need to die today, let that be an offering to you in a direction that we head. So, Father, lift up this body. You're doing amazing things through all of us, and it's all to your glory. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. amen.